Welcome, I'm Larry Olson, and what's on your mind? Once set, it delivers your life. To change the outcomes we want, we must change the plays we're running. Join us at Mindset Playbook with real people, real talk, for real insight. Today's episode is sponsored by Apernio, an achievement acceleration company whose approach to professional development enables clients to gain insights and perspectives to live, work, and engage with more success. I want to welcome all of you to Mindset Playbook and thank you for making this your selection. Our job now is to make sure that we make that worthwhile. Now, let me ask you this. Are you looking to improve your insights of finance and how to make more sales as a result? Well, you've tuned into the right podcast. My guest today is Dr. Stephen Timmy, the founder and president of Finlistics Solutions. He's also the co-author of the Amazon bestseller, Insight-Led Selling. Adopt an executive mindset, build credibility, communicate with impact. Before founding Finlistics, Stephen was a professor of finance at Emory University and several other universities. To be more relevant to our existing as well as the new clients we are selling to, his message is to tell executive buyers something they don't know, show the business and financial benefits of their solutions, and make their lives easier. Welcome to Mindset Playbook, Stephen. Thanks, Larry. And thanks, everyone uh, listening to the podcast today. And as Larry said, we want to make this worth your while or being a finance type. What we want to do is work with you for the time you spent to get a good ROI on that. So thanks. Absolutely. You know, Stephen, you talk about and write about the power of speaking the executive language of finance and finance being the universal business language. Yet few sellers feel comfortable speaking finance or it's certainly not one of their strengths. Just what is it you mean by speaking the executive language and how do we go about getting better at that? Yeah, and you know, Larry, you're right. A lot of folks, when you mention the word finance, you you wanna learn some more finance or you give them the option to shove uh, bamboo shoots up their fingernails, they grab the bamboo shoots every time. So I I know uh, (laughs) both in my previous life as a professor and now, you know, working with sellers that it just scares the heck out of them. So here, here's what I really mean by that. It's not all about the numbers. And as you said, finance is the universal language of business. So if you're in a meeting with marketing and finance and operations and product development, they all have their own language. But at the end of the day, Larry, they're saying, how's this going to increase revenues? How's this going to help us better manage costs? How's this going to improve returns? So it's really essential that sellers not be financial experts. You don't have to have an MBA in finance to do this. So really what I like to do, Larry, is instead of jumping into the numbers right away, which is what most people think about, it's really to do the three things that you talked about, which was adopt an executive mindset. Well, what does that mean? Yeah. You know, How do executives set goals? What Read, for example, uh, if your customer is publicly traded, uh, read the uh, letter to the shareholders, that the, the chairman, see what, see what they're talking about. You know, we're trying to improve returns. We're trying to better manage cost. And here's some of the, the financial metrics that we focus on. So one, how, how do they think? How do they make decisions? How do uh, the goals established at the top roll down to whatever level of organization that you're, you're talking to? So one, forget the numbers. Forget all about the numbers. 
just get your head inside uh, that of the uh, the executive, adopt that executive mindset. And what, what are your clients thinking, right? Uh, the next part is that build credibility. Now, what does that mean? That means a number of things. One, it's understanding their industry, not being an industry expert. You don't have to do that. But my friends out there, you know, let's say you sell into retail, you talk to a lot more companies than that executive that you're selling to probably talks to. So what I, I hear repeatedly, so for example, Candy Conway is one of the executives we interviewed in the book when she said, tell me something I don't know. My reaction was almost like, Candy, you got to be kidding me. Come on, you got this huge, she was an AT&T VP of global operations. I'm like, you got this huge staff, you got any consulting company you went in there and you expect a seller to tell you something you don't know. And she, that's what she, what she said was, we get so heads down that we're not looking around the industry like maybe we should. You see a lot more, uh, you know, customers or companies in the industry. So, you know, give me the pluses and minuses around that. The other part around build credibility is, you know, you're, you maybe get around that organization a lot more than that CMO does, as an example. And you probably see where there's some, some misalignment. So, so for example, um, I was talking to one of the, the coaches uh, or one of the execs, and they give the example of they're an insurance company. Uh, the seller uh, had three different policies with them. We get three different pieces of, of, of you know communication, and, which could all be done one. So he asked them, said, "What do you know me?" And they said, "Mike, of course we know you." Well, no, I don't think you do because you think there's three different mics. So he was able to share what was happening in marketing and say and, and sold them a master database, saved them a whole bunch of money, and told them something they didn't know. So I mean, that's a big part of credibility. Uh, and the the third piece is communicate with impact. And what that's really saying is especially nowadays, as you know, these buying groups get larger and larger, they're much further down the buying cycle process before they even engage with the seller. So it's really talking about, okay, uh, you know, Larry is, the, the goal is to, like in retail, drive revenues by having a differentiated omni-channel experience. Merchandising's involved, marketing's involved, store operations involved. So part of that is, well, Larry's with, you know, distribution logistics. How's he aligned with that goal? Oh, Stephen, he's in uh, merchandising. How's he aligned with that goal? And and learning our language and then finally saying, here's the potential financial benefit. So that's the process. And as you go through that process, Larry, you know, you ask the fundamental question, and this isn't for an individual seller. This, This is a team effort. Okay. So it says, all right, well, within this industry, if these are the most common goals, what are those couple areas of financial performance where we can offer the greatest benefit? So go back to my example. Let's say that you provide uh, services that are solutions that help with customer insights. It's all about revenues. We'll, we'll figure out what that means. Look at your customer's revenue. Don't give them a history lesson when you talk to them and develop those how statements. This is how Larry we can help you improve your revenue growth. Or, or let's say you sell automation and you say, well, here's how we can help you better manage your cost of goods sold. So again, it's not being an MBA in finance, but I like to start without the numbers, go through the process, identify one or two areas of performance. That's all it takes to get an executive's attention. Get your how statement down and then eventually work on the how much. So now let's, <clears throat> you know, this reminds me of my minor in economics. Um, and a lot of it simply goes over my head in the sense of understanding some of the terminology you've used. Um, also, 
what I want you to do is wind it down a little bit to smaller businesses. Um, can have huge revenues, but they don't have necessarily the insights or the team that you're talking about. Right. Give you an example. When I'm doing an ROI or return on investment with a client, mine is kind of reversed. Mine is, is how much money is being left on the table just based on habits, attitude, beliefs, and expectations. Mm-hmm. And, and so if they've got a sales force, do you think any of your salespeople ever miss a sale? just based on some of their attitudes they have about the customer. And the CEO always goes, absolutely. (laughs) Well, just how many do they miss a month? And how much does that cost? And how many salespeople do you have? And pretty soon we start building the number up. Yeah. You know, we go through all the departments. And so in my limited knowledge of the economics, I've thinking in terms of a lot of our listeners too, not that they have limited knowledge in economics, yeah. But I want them to take away something they don't already know regarding how can I, you know, make that bigger impact and where can I find something they don't know without totally getting out of my comfort zone and getting into an area where I don't have the experience or the depth. Um, and, you know, you you're talking about major organizations you know, the biggest company I had was Pepsi and I had a small division of it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And just had to impact that. They ended up saving over a billion dollars in reduction of cost. Right. And I had little to do with that other than mindset. So let's, let's talk a little bit about um, someone trying to get more sales and they're using the one size fits all. You talked about that not being the best way to go into something. Right. What would what should be their first step in getting that customer's attention relative to how you know they've already got the meeting now and they're having the conversation? Where would you begin with that? Yeah. So um, when people ask me this all the time, and by by the way, the process we're talking about applies to large companies, you know, the Cisco's, the IBM's, uh, but also deals with startups. You know, the company has got like 10 million, 20 million, because if you're talking to executives, they're all expecting the same thing. So I tell folks all the time is, look, don't boil the ocean. You know, maybe you don't have the resources. (laughs) Your, your, Your sellers are like trying to close deals, right? So I tell folks all the time is, you know, within your customer's industry, find find a common goal, you know. So, so for example, what, what you're seeing in, in consumer products right now is everyone's always trying to grow revenues, okay? But one thing they're trying to do is improve their operational efficiencies to put money back into the company to grow the top line. So think about those two areas. Well, what do we do to help, you know, drive revenues, for example? What do we do to maybe help, uh, improve operational efficiencies. And then because this is really a team sport, it, it's not should, should not be on just the, the individual sellers is now, uh, you know, don't make a big science project, but we got sales enablement. Maybe you certainly have sales leaders. Maybe some of these organizations have got some industry experts. Okay. Let's pick one goal. That's what we're going to start off with for the next three months. We're picking one goal. How do we improve operational efficiencies? And notice I said, Larry, the how part, and I learned that from Tom Showy. He was the CFO at Walmart, which I was very fortunate to work with. Wow. And even though we were both finance types, he'd say, Stephen, Stephen, stop, stop, stop. 
tell me the how, and then tell me the how much. Because I always wanted to jump into the number. So <laughs> my point is start with a goal, come up with some use cases, say, you know, we help improve operational efficiencies uh, by providing uh, real-time data that allows them to monitor the health of their uh, line equipment, as an example. So come up with a couple of how statements, then get into, well, what area of financial performance is that? Well, that's that's cost of goods sold. Well, what is that made up of? Oh, it's made up of materials, labor, overhead. Oh, well, which one of those three can we impact? And then come up with how statements around that. And then, well, how do these companies measure that, that performance? So like I said, don't boil the ocean. Uh, I mean, you can put a lot of resources into this. I've seen you have very high returns on this, but or I'm kind of what I was kind of picking up on is that sometimes people are just overwhelmed, like, oh my gosh, you know, this is just so much work. Well, guess what, folks? I mean, this is what executives want, but to me, it's like any sport. You just don't go out and all of a sudden you're really good at it. You got to yeah. practice, practice, practice. Start small, hit a sweet spot. I'm going to come to you, Larry, and say, Larry, you know, my understanding is you're trying to improve your operational efficiencies. Is that still on the table? Yeah. Yes, it is. Oh, well, here's how we've helped others in your industry. No number so far, you know, Um, and then get into the, you know, the the house story. And then maybe I might make part of the conversation. Well, Larry, you know, I understand that because I've noticed that your costs have been trending upwards. Don't get into the numbers, you know, but you, you now have built a lot of credibility. Right, right. And you've shown you've done some research as well. Right, right. And that, right. you know, there's a study out that says that something like 80% of executive buyers believe that sellers don't understand their business. Mm-hmm. 80%. Wow. It, it's like 77. I'd want to sound like revenge of yeah. the nerds, but anyway, that's close to 80. <laughs> that's still pretty strong. Hmm. What fantastic insights we are getting into in this episode. If this resonates with you and is provoking and of value, please consider the best-selling book of Get a Vision and Live It by your host, Larry Olson, at LarryOlsonLive.com. Thousands of our listeners have found tremendous value from Larry's book, which has been an inspiration to Mindset Playbook's guests. You'll find everything you need to live the best version of your life while accomplishing things now that were once only imagined. The results you'll get will absolutely amaze you. Find the book at LarryOlsonLive.com. And now let's get back. You won't want to miss what's to come on this episode of Mindset Playbook. So um, when you are sitting down with a client, and and let's go into your history a little bit, because we... I'm sure you've you've never made a mistake in, in developing your business or... Uh, working with clients. Um, where have you seen some things go out around that you went, whoa, I'm not going to do that again? Yeah. Uh, in my own personal business is that uh, I, I discovered this phrase a few years ago called product market fit. And okay. uh, so <laughs> I, and you can ask some of the folks I work with, they're like, oh my God, not another one is crazy ideas. Uh, but yeah, it's, the biggest mistakes that I have made in business is thinking this is a great idea. I think it's a great idea. Oh, I even had a customer say something like that would be cool. And off you go. This is a wonderful idea, only to find out that you and that one customer thought it was a good idea. Uh, everyone else was kind of like, it's either too complex or uh, you have to integrate it into it. So, um, yeah, that's so. So, I've, I, 
myself, our company has gotten much, much better at saying, okay, we got these wonderful ideas. I work for a lot of very, very smart people. And, uh, but now what we do is we go out, we go out and test it, which sounds so basic. Yeah. I've seen so many people, you know, waste, including us, development dollars, marketing dollars, seller's time, pushing something that we just didn't verify with the market. And, and as I talk to more and more people, they're the same way, especially when, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, you think everything you do is wonderful. Um, so, <laughs> so now I'm fine. I got to like throttle back a little bit, throttle back the enthusiasm. Yeah, I totally understand. Hey, before we, you know, we kind of dive a little deeper into Finlistic solutions, let's uh, let's unwind this a little bit. And and when did you when in your life did you find yourself interested in numbers that that ultimately led to the your, you know, schooling and everything else? Yeah, I would say uh my father was an engineer, so he was like okay. you know, numbers type guy. Yeah. But I I would really say Larry, I was a sophomore in college or maybe a junior, I can't remember. And I always kind of liked numbers. I always kind of liked school, but I had this one professor, uh, Victor Andrews, who literally changed my life. I mean, Mm. Vic could make these numbers. He he was a great teacher, smart guy, did a lot of consultants and consulting. So he would take us through the numbers and say, well, let me show you how we applied this at such and such a company. I'm sitting there going, Oh my gosh, this is so friggin' cool. So I had a couple of really wonderful mm. finance professors that made me passionate about finance because I truly believe that finance can can not only help you in your career. Uh, I mean, a lot of people that go to the top kind of have a finance background, working knowledge of it, but even it can apply to your personal life. I, I have I've had a lot of students tell me, you know, I took your class or you did this, did that. Next number of years later, you know, they're living in a much bigger house than I'm in. I'm like, how'd you do that? They said, we listened to you. Anyway, so no, I'm very, I'm very passionate about that, but it was really just those, that, that one class. And that's when I was a professor, I was always very, very conscious that you may say one or two things that's going to trip someone's mind and it's, it's going to help them a lot. Or if it's negative, yeah, I'm not saying it's going to scar them for life, but that that's where I really became, you know, focused on numbers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, you're talking about impact and you're talking about credibility with this professor that made such a difference in not only your understanding of economics, but your pat developing a passion for it, right. seeing some solutions and where you could be of assistance. I had just the opposite. You know, it was drudgery getting through class <laughs> because there were large classes, right? And there, you know, there were <laughs> TAs were teaching and, yeah. and, you know, nothing wrong with their education. It's just part of the relationships is we've yeah. got to be able to connect. You do. You do. And, you know, and you're when you're coming in with your insights and knowledge and finance, you got to be really careful that you're not intimidating someone. Absolutely. How do you go about making sure that doesn't happen? Yeah. So here's here's what what we do at Finlistics. We never lead with the numbers. Never, ever, ever. Because immediately you just people. I mean, you got twenty percent of the folks that love numbers. Like, oh, he's talking about numbers. You got twenty percent. Their brain just doesn't work that way. So it's really that sixty percent in the middle that you have to communicate with. So uh, we always start off with you know in talking to sales organizations. What, what are your customers up to? Hey, let's talk about what they're what they're trying to get done. Okay, uh, just 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 give me give me a case study. Where have you helped someone in that industry? 
So we kind of walk through it and then say, guess what? You know what? The numbers are a manifestation of all that stuff that we just talked about. That's how you keep score. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, here's how you, uh, by selling whatever solution, you could potentially help them. So if you lead with the numbers and all this, you know, finance talk and EPS and beta and this, I mean, you would just, I mean, they just shut down. And, you know, I tell folks all the time, I probably learned more about teaching and communicating finance uh, from some of my professors that weren't as good as Vic, <laughs> who just <laughs> even turned me off. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to be that guy. I, I don't yeah. want to be that lady. Yeah. So it's really yeah. starting at the, the top of the funnel about what are your customers up to? How do you help them? You know, what, what are their challenges? What might, how can you fill in the gaps? Well, and that's what we call uh, days and in inventories. How about that? And yeah. well, if you could just help them improve that by one day, it'd be worth, worth this. Gotcha. Gotcha. So that, you know, that's kind of what, what I do when I help them see what they're leaving on the table, just with the psychology that the people are going through within their day or that moment. Yeah. And then they look at this number of 3 million that they're leaving on the table. And then I ask them, well, how much money, what, what do you like as a return on investment when you're investing your dollars? And they all say 25, 40%. I go, yeah. oh, where are you getting that? And if I get them down to 10%, how, how much money would you have to invest to get that 3 million back? Yeah. And then I know the good news is I don't cost that much. You know, and it's, <laughs> I think it's all about perspective and putting things in place. Like you said, don't lead with the numbers. Um, when do you feel with your conversation with a prospective client, it's time for the numbers? Yeah, well, what we a lot of times where we're coming in either through sales enablement or we're coming in with the sales uh, leaders. And okay. so one of the things that we do is, hey, how committed are you to this? Okay. Right. Okay. Because we have, you know, like a lot of people, we get uh, of references by, by word of mouth. And, sure. you know, sure, we'll, we'll deal with an ind individual seller. But what we look for, part of our, you know, uh, ideal customer profile is, are they really committed? Because the last thing I want to do is say, hey, I'm going to sell you this. But if you're not really committed a year later, you're not going to renew. And, and we're going to get, you're not going to be happy with your return. We're going to get a bad reputation. So what we do is start off with pretty much the process I just talked about working with a client now. It's like, what is it you're selling? Oh, you're selling uh, remote access or whatever it might be, right? Um, and, um, oh, well, tell me how that's helping your clients. We have that discussion. Okay. And then, well, where have you done it before? You know, and then we get into, oh, this is the area of financial performance. And oh, these, by the way, the one we're working with now is it's it's going to help the area, what we call selling general administrative. And how that's going to help is by uh, lowering employee turnover. So then we've got all these metrics around that and sure. say, oh, did, did you know, Larry, for each 1% a reduction in turnover for this client would be worth this much. Hmm. So once we go through the story, we say, here, here's the financial aspects of that, but not not until we've we've gone through that process. And if they don't want to go through the process, I tell them, look, we'll sell you something if you want, but I don't think this is going to be very successful. So it's it's what I call a team sport. In fact, I'll show you this. I don't know if you're a soccer fan or not, but <laughs> this, 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 this is the red as you get thrown out of the game and the yellow is like, 
Larry, I, I'm, I'm giving you a warning. <laughs> Give me a warning, but dude. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's not as it's and it's not a big science project. Like we're not going to go and say, okay, let's do every one of your solutions. Let's pick one or two that are your best sellers. You know, educate the the your sales force on why how it creates value, and then we get into the how much. Okay, so that's another important thing. A lot of people will break the sale down because not not break it down to understandable, but break it so that it doesn't happen by showing too many solutions. Oh, so how do you keep from falling in love with your solutions so you're not promoting so many that they can't make a decision? It's overwhelming. <laughs> we're we're working with this client right now doing what we call solution mapping. And so okay. they said, we got these 10 solutions. We want you guys to do all this. And we're going to get out to the field. And we're going to give it to marketing. We're going to say, whoa, 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 stop, 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 stop. I said, having worked with a lot of executive buyers, you bring in more than three things, they, 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 their brains just don't operate that way. Yeah. So yeah. Hey, let's pick your top three. Make sure that works. And maybe some of these solutions are more industry specific, or maybe they're more persona based. But yeah, don't. In in fact, uh, who was it? Um, Oh, yeah, I know. In in the book, we interviewed Ken May, and he was like the the CEO of Top Golf and uh, COO of Krispy Kremes and uh, managed a huge part of FedEx. So we interviewed them and saying, okay, we were asking basically the same question. He goes, here's what's going to happen. A seller comes in with a 30-slide presentation. One or two things are going to happen. Either one, I'm going to catch up on my sleep, or two, uh, it's going to be a very short meeting. So, yeah. you, you know, don't, don't overwhelm them. Yeah. In fact, Steve Clancy is another exec we were very fortunate to interview, and he's the CIO at Georgia Pacific. And we say, what, what, what do you want from sellers? And he goes, make my life easier. And I said, well, Steve, what do you mean by that? He goes, they come with these huge decks. It's overwhelming. He goes, if I like the solution, I, I, I have to you know, promote it internally. I have to socialize it. So don't make me take your 30 page deck and boil it down to one page. So keep it. That's your job. That's yeah. Keep it yeah. simple. Don't come in yeah. with, we can do this and we can do this. It's, it's almost like uh, Larry, I like to watch uh, Shark Tank. I don't know if you watch Shark Tank or not. <laughs> <laughs> and when these people come in, I was watching one last night. Well, phase one is this, and phase two, and phase three, and then phase and the, the you know the sharks are like, whoa, 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 what what's going on? So yeah, I mean, just you know, keep it simple, keep it very, yeah. very focused on what they're up to, and don't feel yeah. like you got to overwhelm them with everything. You don't. Yeah, you know, you're articulating that classic connection and how to relate to people's statement by Roosevelt which was people don't care what you know until they know that you care. Good. I like that. And and the first question I ask, and you mentioned this too, is why am I here? That's the first question I ask. <laughs> and, you know, well, you, you know, you called us or contacted us and, you know, and we're interested. Well, what is it you're interested about? And I, I never, ever, I think that all of us have to recognize there's no sense in sharing all this insight and intellect you have if you don't have an audience. That's right. I right? agree completely. Show Just because up. there's people in front of you doesn't mean you have an audience, right? And you know that as a former professor. Yeah. You react to those kids with a dull look on your face. You just don't go, well, that kid's not getting it. Yeah. Because yeah. maybe you aren't delivering it. Oh, absolutely. I, I say this all the time. I, I'm still uh, 
do some work at Georgia Tech and they're oh. in their continuing ed, which is I was just that's my that's the love of my life, really. Sure. I and get you. I always tell folks when I say, okay, now any questions and it's kind of quiet and you know, well, this may be a dumb question. I hear that all the time. I say, look, 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 there are no dumb questions. It, what this is a reflection of is probably me not explaining it well enough. So Beautiful. good for it. you. Good yeah. for you. Yeah. And then I give them an F. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That son of a gun. I can't believe they weren't paying attention. That's right. <laughs> I'm uh, fascinating. <laughs> no, it, it is. You know, in fact, uh, one of the execs we talked to, uh, we were talking about the best sales call they ever had, the worst uh-huh. sales call they ever had. And he said the best is they were looking for some new, I think a procurement system. I can't remember. So they had two vendors. One person comes in the first 20 minutes was asking the team, now, why do you want this? What are you using now? You know, what are the biggest drawbacks? Why would you make this kind of investment? And then they went into explaining how, and not quite demo mode, but saying, here's what our stuff does. Yeah. Everyone's like, okay, we want this person back. Okay. Uh, next day, they have the second vendor in, then ask any questions like, you know, Larry, why are you really doing this? You know, what problem are you trying to solve? What obstacles do you have? And uh, <clears throat> they said this thing lasted, it just went into demo mode throwing all this stuff at him. And uh, at least they didn't, he didn't ask what keeps you awake at night for gosh sake. So <laughs> anyway, uh, they said the thing lasted about 30 minutes. It didn't 30 minutes uh, earlier because everyone's just snoozing, dozing. Uh, and be- uh, so the, the, like you said, I mean, let, let's find out what's really, you know, you're up to. It's not about what I'm up to. It's about you as a potential customer, what you're up to. And then I'll, then I'll share with you. I think I can help. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, I, um, you know, I wanted to mention for those of you that are just listening, I feel like I'm listening to Paul Newman. I mean, this guy is got to be a brother. Um, have, I'm sure you've heard that before, have you not? I, I have. In fact, I got to meet Paul Newman one time. Did you? Yeah, we're both car guys. And okay. so uh, the restroom was upstairs. I'm going up. He's coming down. We look at each other and said, hi, dad. And so then we... <laughs> Then we proceed to talk about cars and stuff, but yeah, what wonderful, <laughs> wonderful person. Oh, sure. that's great. That's great. So unfortunately, the time has just, uh, as it always does, has is, is been wonderful and uh, very insightful. And I hope people are taking away, you know, make the connection before you share your information. Exactly. Um, why don't you leave them with how do they connect with you? How do that, you know, they're, they're sitting here going, you know, how do I find out more about how he can help our company? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can do a, a couple of things. One is uh, reach out to us at info at finlistics.com. And Larry, I'll send you the contact and it's info at finlistics.com. And please, please, please say that you're listening to the mindset playbook podcast and what we'll do for starters, we're not we're not the type that if you contact like let's here's a BDR chasing you down, you know. Uh, so what we'd love to do is send you the introductory uh, chapter to the book Insight Led Selling, which kind of lays a bunch of this stuff out. So again, info okay. at finlistics.com. Also, uh, feel free to uh, follow Finlistics on LinkedIn. We we're always we have a bunch of free stuff out there. Very, All right. Know, this executive said this, and here's this interview, that kind of thing. And then please reach out to me, Stephen Timmy, uh, on Finl- on LinkedIn, and uh, would love to connect with you. So yeah, so Larry, very much have enjoyed this. And again, for all of you out there that have spent the thirty minutes or so, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day. Wow! Wow! Outstanding. 
I, um, I want to thank you. And, you know, in the beginning, I was a little overwhelmed and, and going, you know, I've got 27 questions. Which one do I start with? <laughs> Just based on what you were sharing. And then you really honed it in for the startup or the smaller company yeah. that, you know, the principles are the same. You may not take certain people on as a client only because uh, they may not be in your, you know, in, in your lane, if you will. But um, you certainly got the education in the programs that just anybody can go ahead and utilize. Yeah. And no matter and- what size they are. You know, Larry, and to address that, we're, we're a small company. So we're always, you know, we do we have some of the big giants? Absolutely, positively. But sure, we also have some of the smaller clients. In fact, one of my favorite stories is one of our clients was, I think, like three to five million dollars in, in revenues. I knew the person. He reached out. Hey, can I access your information? Do this, do that. And followed it. And um I think he got bought out for like $20 million. Oh, for heaven's sakes. So I love it. I love small yeah. business. That's we we're the ones that create all the jobs. <laughs> so right. yeah. So you don't have to be a big behemoth to reach out to us. We we love all all size companies and expect we have a special place in our heart for the, you know, the small and medium-sized businesses. You bet. Well, that was great. And thank thank you for again for being a guest. It Thanks, was fascinating. Guys. Yeah, thank you. And for all of you out there, we thank you again for listening. And and remember, you've heard this from me before, but I will continue to say it. Wherever you are in your life right now is exactly where you need to be. And as long as you've got that vision of what you want to manifest in your life, every circumstance you get is an opportunity to make that choice to get even closer. So thank you again, Dr. Stephen Timmy. And um, all of our listeners, and listen up, and you'll hear who we're going to have on our next podcast. All of you take care. Enjoy your lives. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, we ask that you please subscribe and share with your friends and associates. Larry's next guest on The Great Automotive Experience is Craig Nangle. Craig is an expert in the field of automotive technology why your automobile does what it does, and how to have the best service experience. He was drawn to the industry by a passion to make cars perform better than their original specs, unleashing their hidden potential just like the teams he leads.